Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us, boy. We live in interesting times. Couple quick program notes. 110 this afternoon. We are scheduled to be joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley. We're going to discuss the decision that was announced yesterday by Summerfest to move Summerfest from its late June, early July dates to three consecutive weekends in September. We're going to talk about obviously the reason for that, although I think a lot of it is self-evident. What this is doing, keep in mind at Summerfest, it, when you're talking about booking all these bands, it is a process that starts, well, it, it starts pretty much the day after one Summerfest ends. I mean, it's a year-long process, so we're going to discuss what does this mean for all the folks at Summerfest who are now in a situation where they've got to scramble. What does it mean? I tell you, the lineup that Summerfest had this year was just absolutely amazing with the headliners and stuff. Um, a lot of those bands, my guess is, aren't going to be touring. How is Summerfest handling this? We're going to talk about all that. Like I say, we're scheduled at 1.10 this afternoon to be joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley. Lots of other things as well. But let us start with some perspective and an order just issued by the governor. In Wisconsin, we have 5.8 million people. Right, 5.8 million people. As of the most recent numbers, it, it appears that of those 5.8 million people, we have had 455 that have tested positive for coronavirus. Now, there, there's probably more people walking around who haven't been tested yet who might, in fact, test positive. But um, at least yesterday, um, of the people who had been tested, you had 416 who tested positive over 7,000 had tested negative. So these are people presumably showing some symptoms that nevertheless tested negative. But about 455, and at last count, we had five or six people who had passed away as a result of coronavirus. But in all those cases, or almost all the cases, what was going on is the people had other underlying health issues that the coronavirus contributed to. Now, look, you don't want anybody to die from anything. I do offer some perspective on this, though. Last year, according to the state of Wisconsin, we had 93 people who died as a result of the flu. And I'm not equating coronavirus with the flu, but we had 93 people who died as a result of the flu last year. We had 240-plus who died from pneumonia. And again, in most of those cases, it was people who had underlying health issues who got sick 
and then again whether it's the pneumonia or the flu it, it caused them to die and in many many cases not all but in many many cases like i say it was people with immune system problems or 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 the elderly older people who had you know um, weakened health systems so that is that is the background we do not shut down the state of wisconsin and unemploy thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people because of the seasonal flu. We don't do it because of pneumonia. So that that's kind of the background here. Now, Governor Evers has just issued an order for the next month. This order runs pretty much through all of April. He is ordering the state of Wisconsin to close down. He is saying that people should shelter at home, understand that, stay at home, it's safer at home. He's saying that you shouldn't go to gatherings outside of the household at all. He is allowing certain businesses to stay open. For example, I've got a partial list here. Grocery stores, bakeries, pharmacies, convenience stores, gas stations, pet supply stores, liquor stores, businesses that provide food and beverage manufacturing, processing, and distribution, Animal shelters, banks, insurance offices, hardware stores, trades like carpenters, electricians, plumbers. I assume that also applies to like HVAC people and all. Laundromats, post office, and other mailing and shipping services. Businesses that sell office supplies and IT equipment. Uber and Lyft drivers. Public buses can stay open. Hotels and motels can stay open that close the swimming pools, the hot tubs, and the gyms. And then a number of manufacturing uh, entities allowed to stay open. Of course, police officers, firefighters, EMS workers, etc. Under the order, all public and private gatherings of any number of people that are not part of a single household are banned. So, if I want to, I don't know, walk walk some food down to my neighbors across the street and they invite me in, I, I'm not allowed to stay. That, that's the order. All right, now let's talk about what is closed as a result of this. Well, generally speaking, this is directed at small businesses. For example, let's say you run a Hallmark store, a card store. You're, you're directed to close. Now, if you run a CVS pharmacy or a Walgreens or a grocery store that has a section that's available for greeting cards or things, you can stay open. But the little Hallmark store, that has to close. If you run a jewelry store, that has to close. Hairdressers and barbers, you are out of business, not just for this next week, but for the next month. Um, picture framing shops, they're, they're out of business. And, of course, restaurants and bars, places where people go to congregate. doesn't matter if you decide that you're going to, I mean, limit the number of people that are in there. You are not going to be allowed to stay open under this order or reopen under the order other than anything for curbside service. So for everybody who's been out of work for the last week, Get ready to stay out of work for the next, I don't know, month. Then, of course, gyms, movie theaters, etc. There, there's some stuff I, I don't know about. Car repair businesses, I assume car repair stays open. That would be, at least that's how it was in Milwaukee when Tom Barrett issued his order. Car dealerships, I assume they, they close. Don't know what this says about golf courses and things like that. But this is a massive, massive order directing for the next month the shutdown of lots of Wisconsin, primarily small businesses. And let us be honest here. With this shutdown, 
there's a lot of businesses. If this really does go on a month, there are a lot of businesses that are not going to reopen. I mean, to say to a restaurant, all right, you you can't reopen for the next five weeks. Well, there's a lot of small businesses that kind of, I mean, maybe they can survive a week, maybe they can survive two weeks, but they're not going to be able to survive a month. That That's just the reality. And, it's, I mean, I seriously wonder for a lot of other small businesses, how are they going to be able to survive? All right, our number. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's discuss. Is this a reasonable order under the circumstances? Or is the governor going too far? Now, look, I've been supportive of a number of things Governor Evers has, has done, although <clears throat> the kind of whack-a-mole approach that we've taken, I, I think, it has been a, a problem. The idea that there's, I think he's had like 13 orders in the last 13 days and and I mean I, I but I, I understand I understand why we've limited the public gatherings I, I get all that but now you know we're saying to a lot of businesses including businesses that really probably don't have a lot of people coming in I, I mean you know that that small gift store for example that's now going to be directed to close because it's not a, a quote-unquote you know necessary business my, my guess is you're probably only going to have a handful of people that are going to be in that particular business okay 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line does this order go too far as we try to balance public safety and the idea of social distancing and not wanting to overwhelm the health care system, all very, very legitimate concerns with the practical effect that by essentially closing a good chunk of Wisconsin businesses, you are going to kill those businesses. I'm looking at the numbers last week, um, <clears throat> But over 100,000 unemployment applications, over 100,000 employment applications. And quite candidly, my concern is if this order stays in place for four weeks, that that's going to be just a fraction of this. We all want to be safe. We need to be smart. Everybody understands that. Does this go too far? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, before I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, then we're going to be back with your calls. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a couple texts before we go to the calls. Not sure why Evers didn't issue the order for two weeks and reassess. Like prohibition, there will be a lot of flouting of the law as this goes on. I, I admit, I'm stunned that the governor came out and said, I'm going to close down all these various Wisconsin businesses. I'm going to pick and choose. I've got the winners and losers as to what an essential business is, and we're going to do this for a month. We're going to say to restaurants, you can't reopen for a month. Well, okay, a lot of those restaurants aren't going to reopen, period. And what are we going to do with all the people who've lost their jobs? Um, Okay, let's see. Um, Okay, another text. Maybe another two or three weeks, okay, but not five um, Jeff, a month way too far. Small businesses will be killed. I presume the DNC will be canceled. We'll talk about uh, that a little bit later on. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Karen in Fond du Lac. Karen, you're first. Jeff, you know Hi, you Karen. are a great movie fan. You're a great movie fan, 
And you probably remember that scene in Goldfinger where Pussy Galore and her flying circus goes over Fort Knox and everybody gets the gas and they just fall over dead. I think that's what the, the governor is thinking, that people are just going to fall over dead with this virus. But it's going to bankrupt so many people. It's just ridiculous. Yep. Well, I mean, see, and, and that's that's the concern. Look, I, I I think we have to be proactive about this. I, I get it. So I, I understand why, at least on a short-term basis, we're, we're encouraging the social distancing. I even understand for a short period of time, you know, why we've got the order directing the, the movie theaters to close and the restaurants to close. But to, to force them to keep closed for another month and then to, to yeah. pick and choose to say it's okay to have the Target store open. And now, look, I'm not arguing for the closing of the Target store but you know if you run the small mom and pop picture frame store you can't stay open if you run the small jewelry store you can't stay open to customers but it's okay to have these other places i just don't think this is very well thought out and and Certainly. again if you want to say if we want to say we're going to thanks for the call i appreciate it a lot karen if you want to say we're going to do this for a week um and and then or, or 10 days and then we're going to reassess oh, okay april 20 third or whatever the date is the end of april really and again i I give this in perspective you do not want to have this spread you don't want to overwhelm the health care system and i I think a priority needs to be getting first of all getting tests available so when people come in and show symptoms they can get the test that people who've had the test thus far overwhelmingly do not test positive for this i get that you want to stop the spread of this and of course we've got to get the masks and we've got to get the respiratory and that needs to be a priority. But again, perspective on this, 5.8 million Wisconsinites, and thus far, 5, 6, 7, certainly less than 10 deaths. We don't want that number to get out of control, but the flu seasonally kills 93 people a year, and, and we don't close down Wisconsin because of the flu. I, I guess it's the breadth of this order that I find to be striking and the duration of the order. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, let's talk about, let's talk to Josh and Rippin. Josh, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, Hi, Josh. First thing, first thing I was going to say is my wife's a nurse, and she, she agrees this is absolutely necessary. But the whole thing that people say that we've only had seven or ten deaths, and we have, I believe you said, 93 with the flu. How many people do we know had the flu, and how many people do we know have this? You know what I mean? That number is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. It's made to look a lot higher because so many more people have it. So many and more people I, have I, I what? The flu. I mean, how, okay. so many more people have, have the flu, so the number of deaths with the flu is going to be so much more higher than the people that have yep. this COVID-19. Yep. So, that, I mean, that, that number is really not... Act, not 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 accurate, I guess. But and well, I understand I guess, people I losing I, their jobs. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying, I understand no. people losing their jobs, how much that that sucks and everything. But we're talking about something that could, life or death. You know, I would well, not for rather, most people. I mean, not not, well, not for most not people. It's, mo, mo, well, no, most even even if you look at China. Look, and I, I'm not I'm not downplaying this. I, I understand it's serious, and people don't want to get it, and that's why we want to tell everybody social distancing and and be don't be stupid about it. But even even in China, where the outbreak was, 
They have, what, 1.4 billion people. They had a couple thousand deaths. Most people that get it are going to recover from it. It's not like it's the bubonic plague. And, and again, I, nobody wants to get it. I, I appreciate we, we want to all be smart, but, you know, you, you talk about, you know, all these businesses that are going to be forced to close and thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of people, they're going to lose their jobs. Well, and, and we're going to crater the economy. I mean, isn't that a factor we need to be concerned about, too? I do. I do. I do think it is. I think more needed to be done before, but you can't yeah, really do I, even like social distancing. You know, I work at a laundry factory in Ripon. We've got 1,500 employees. It's impossible to do social distancing where everybody's right on top of each other. I think the only way to actually do that is to make people stay at home. Yeah, got it. Thanks for call. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, Thank and of you. course, we're, we're, thanks. I mean, look, and I, I, I think most of us, are, are smart about it. I mean, I, I, I know we have changed, you know, the, the way we interact. And, you know, we're, we're trying to be smart about this, and we're trying to have limited contacts with people, and we're trying to stay in. And, and, and I, I understand, until we get a handle on this, I'm not in a rush to go out and sit at Miller Park with, you know, 40-some thousand people. So I understand, you know, we, we have these issues. But, but I mean, the, the, what we're talking about now for the next month and, and look m- maybe things are going to get really bad and maybe these numbers are, are going to change and maybe we're going to be looking at the fact that you've got tens of thousands of wisconsinites getting sick and passing away i hope that's not the case i, I really do but i mean i'm trying to figure out where the balancing is i had no problem with the governor's orders up until now but now this order does not make sense to me the picking and choosing and the saying to the small businesses that might own the framing shop that, okay, is not an essential business, but they might have only had two or three people going in in any given day. Now they're told that they have to close, but we're saying, okay, we'll leave the liquor stores open. All right, I, I don't know where the gun dealers, people are asking me, you know, where do the gun dealers fit in? I, I don't know if they're an essential business or not, but if if you're able, if... If the Cabela's of the world are able to stay open and the Walmarts are able to stay open, you know how, how can you close down the gun stores? But I, I don't know one way or the other. I can't tell that from the order right now. Let's take a quick break. We're back with more of your calls in just a moment. I'm not downplaying the significance of this. Believe me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working remotely. I, I understand this is changing our lives. I'm just wondering, is this too far and if you're one of the people, maybe who's already been laid off for a week or two, now you hear that, hey, it's going to be at least another six weeks before the governor is going to let you go back to work. I mean, what are you going to do? That's the other real-world face we put on this. Back with more calls in just a moment, 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll give you an example of, to me, that the craziness of this order directing all businesses to close. Now, my, my little dog, and I think everybody knows, we're, we're self-distancing. We're doing the social distancing thing I'm broadcasting from. My little dog, who's under the desk right now, she was scheduled to get groomed tomorrow. All right? Now, the, the dog groomer that does this has a small shop. It's just her and I think one other person. So to take the dog over there, you walk over, you give the dog to them, you come back, you pick the dog up like a couple hours later. Just got a call saying they're closed. Okay, they're they're closed, so she's going to be presumably out of business for the foreseeable future. No income coming in, etc., etc. 
all right, so I, I can't walk the dog over. And again, to the extent that there was any sort of contact, it would be, okay, me or my wife dropping the, the dog off and then leaving and then picking the dog up afterwards. Okay, so she's out of business now, at least for the foreseeable future, no income coming in. But you know what? We can both go to the grocery store and, and stand in line next to each other. I mean, that that's... That's where I think this order ends up going too far and really doesn't address stuff. Do I think the coronavirus is serious? Absolutely. Do I think we need to avoid large crowds? Absolutely. But a lot of these businesses that are declared non-essential, these are small businesses where you're you're not going to be interacting with people in any large number anyways. And yet, you know, you're going to have the same. You're going to see a lot more people in Target. You're going to see a lot more people in the grocery stores. And believe me, I'm not arguing that you know, we, we shouldn't, you know, be careful. And I'm not arguing that we certainly we should close grocery stores or things like that. But this particular order targeting primarily small businesses, I think, creates a huge issue. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Matt in Iron Ridge. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hi, nice to talk to you. Listen all the time. Hi, Matt. Thanks uh, for calling. Thanks one for listening. Of the things is, thank you. Uh, one of the things that's been frustrating me for days now is the information that we're not getting that would better let us judge whether Evers is making the right call. We get figures on the number of people tested, the number of positives, and the number of deaths. How many are going into the hospital? How or do we know if the hospital system is about to get overwhelmed? We have no information on that. Now, I have relatives in Ohio, so I, I regularly go online and check their uh, states what's going on. And uh, they do give the hospitalization figures. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that that's fair. And our, I, I mean, I think it's, look, one of the things, one of the things, that the reason it's important to control the spread of the virus is, to your point, it's to stop the hospitals from being overwhelmed. That's why, exactly. I, I mean, I understand why you want to spread it out. That's why, I mean, I think a priority needs to be getting the masks and the, the, the you know, personal protective equipment, the PPEs, to, to stop it from being overwhelmed. But, I, I mean, right, I, I think that's, that's fair. I mean, how many people are being hospitalized? And maybe that's a, a better indicator. But right, just telling us, you know, the other thing that's interesting about the numbers, we, we don't get, they don't tell us how many people have already had full recoveries from coronavirus, which I find to be interesting as well. You know, we're told that 450 right. some people have tested positive. Okay, how, how many people have, have recovered from that? And again, I'm, I see, I'm with you. I'm not downplaying the significance of this. I, I, nobody wants to get this, and I understand it can be fatal in certain cases, but don't we have to have some perspective? And I don't think we're getting a proper perspective on this. Exactly. And, you know, I did see one uh, new figure this morning that the majority of the cases in Wisconsin that are testing positive are between 20 and 40 years old. Now, how many of those people are being hospitalized? They're not in the at-risk group. I'm assuming that the majority of them are just in quarantine. Um, yeah, it could be. Hey, thanks for the call. Could, and, and, you know, the, the interesting number in the city of Milwaukee, it's been, been hit hardest. Um, they're, they're talking about there, there's a couple areas of the city of Milwaukee where <clears throat> I don't know whether it's community spread or whatever. And, and see, by the way, let me <clears throat> I, I, just, I just hate the let's paint with broad brushes approach. For example, let, let's talk about let's talk about New York, New York City, where you have incredibly high population density. You have seen an explosion of this because you've got people that are living on top of one another and, and they're coming in close contact. I, I understand that. For example, 
example. Tom Barrett yesterday, Milwaukee mayor, you know, he issued orders uh, along the lines of what the government, the governor came out with for, for the city of Milwaukee. I think you can perhaps make an argument, not, not for five or six weeks, but at least short term, you know, if, if local communities want to say, okay, because of our population density, we're trying to get this under control. So what we do for Milwaukee or what we do for Madison might be different than what we do for Green Bay or Eau Claire or Seymour, Wisconsin, or whatever. But but this idea that we're going to close all these businesses everywhere, there are a number of counties in Wisconsin that don't have coronavirus. There, there's no COVID-19. There, there's been no outbreak. And there's a number of other counties where it's very, very small. So my point would be, if we want to really kind of deal with the problem, shouldn't we perhaps, if, if you want to target those areas where there, there's a lot of people, that, that's, that's fine. But do we need to do this? And again, I'm, I'm not downplaying the significance of this. I understand nobody wants to get this. And I understand that it, it can be, in certain cases, fatal. I'm just worried about whether or not these these measures are practical and what the effect of this is going to be down the line if we have essentially, I mean, said to hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites, your, your business is over, your job is gone, um, we don't know how you're going to pay your bills, but not our problem. Back with more calls in just a moment. And by the way, 1.10 this afternoon, we're going to be joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley to talk about the extraordinary decision made yesterday to move Summerfest from its late June, early July dates to um, September. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Jeff, no one is asking these questions you're discussing. I'm a small business owner, and I'm scared to death right now. Thanks for being brave and doing this. Look, I understand the conventional wisdom should be we've got a lockdown society. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. We shouldn't care about whether people lose their jobs. We shouldn't care about whether businesses have to close. None of that makes any difference. We don't have to look beyond you know, the, the next four weeks, and if it's economic destruction and people have lost their jobs and people can't make their mortgage payments and they're being evicted, we, we don't have to be concerned about that. Well, I think you have to have a balancing of this, and that's why I have supported a lot of the different restrictions. The idea, at least short-term, of closing restaurants inside, it makes sense to me. I get it, because they're trying to limit gatherings. All right, I understand that. The idea of closing movie theaters temporarily, I get it. Makes sense. They're trying to limit gatherings. The idea now of saying, however, to that, to that solo dog rumor, you, you can't do business. We're going to close you down. Or to say to the, the, the small family-run jewelry store that has like three employees, and maybe at any given time they'll have two or three customers in the shop, we're going to close you down. That's that's where I think you'd have to be at least questioning about this. And I understand that the other practicality is, for a lot of businesses, even if they'd stay open, people wouldn't be patronizing them. Yesterday, we were we were taking a drive, maintaining social distancing, but you know we, we went past this this rental car company, and I, I've never seen so many cars just just stacked up along the road because people. Weren't renting cars. Um, all right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for waiting. Hey, thank you. Uh, great show. I, I like your show. Um, I want to bring to you the aspect of enforcement. 
how will they really enforce this? Um, because I work in manufacturing out in New Berlin. So will they stop me from, from Milwaukee to New Berlin, uh, even though I'm an essential worker? And, and the same thing for businesses. Talk about enforcement for me. And then the second point is, now that you said that these businesses are closed, what about the criminal aspect, knowing that they can break into these places? So can you talk about that? Well, sure. First of all, if you are in an essential business, <clears throat> what happens is there's a letter that comes out. Matter of fact, you know, radio and you know, broadcasting is an essential business. There, there's a letter that comes out. That, that you get. So if a police officer were to stop you and say, you know, what are you doing out there? But right now we don't have, I mean, th- there's not a law that says you, you can't drive to the grocery store. You're not going to have a problem going to work. But by the way, there is a letter that they come out. If you're an essential, an essential business, you can get this letter, you can put it in your glove compartment, and if you were to be stopped, you, you could show somebody that. But I, I don't think that we're at that stage. As, as far as I don't know, looting and concerns about civil unrest and things like that. I, I just, I don't think so. I've done topics for the last two days that have generated a, a huge response, believe me, and not all of it positive, of, about I, I don't understand why people are running out and buying guns. I, I just, I, I don't think right. that we're at a point where it, it's going to be like anarchy and you're going to have mobs that are looting and things like that. But, but I, I, so I mean, I believe that the civilian authorities have this under control. Th- thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And again, I'll, I, I know. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I, and I also know that some people didn't like this when I said it yesterday. But it, to me, the worst thing you can do is go out. The worst thing you can do in general is give in to panic, because when you panic, you almost always make bad decisions. And if you're <clears throat> I don't know, afraid that there's going to be widespread looting and, and mobs are going to be breaking into people's homes to steal toilet paper or, or, or foodstuffs. And, and I don't see us at that point. But the worst thing you can do is say, I'm going to go out and buy a gun if you don't know how to use that gun. And, and that's, I, I'm, look, I have a gun myself. Believe me, I know how to use it. But, but you know, I think one of the things that's kind of scary is you see this huge influx of people who are buying firearms and really don't know how to, don't know how to use them. Because if you don't know how to use a gun, you just, Flat out shouldn't have one. Okay, Sandy in Germantown. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi there. Um, Hi, Sandy. I'm a nurse, and I work in surgery, and um, I just want to say it's really stressful out there in healthcare. Sure. all the precautions that we're having to take, trying to protect ourselves and our patients. Um, I'm, what do you I need feel most? bad for small... What, 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 what do you need most in healthcare? If and And I... I mean, obviously, not to be confronted with this, but what is it that you would need most that would make your life easier, your job easier? Oh, um, <laughs> wow, that's a good question. Um, well, <laughs> I guess it's just the idea of that being out there and we're having to take precautions with every single patient mm-hmm. and it's just all the things we have to do. Um, yeah. I think being that there's a two-week uh incubation period that's why this is so important and i've like with all those college students that went to florida and then now they're all going back home that kind of stuff makes me mad there's a lot of people out there that aren't taking it serious and i think maybe that's why they're doing it and if this is what it takes for one month to just stop people from getting together and realizing this is serious and we need to stop it 
maybe that's what we need to do. And um, okay, well, let, but let me ask you this, and I understand it. But let, let let's talk about the practicality. And believe me, I look my my uh, my uh, my stepdaughter works in healthcare and all, and I I understand you know how believe me how how stressful this whole thing is. But I, I guess I I just I, I think we need to be smart about how we approach this. So we we want to I understand we want to limit contact, but if we leave grocery stores open or we leave Target stores open so you can have lots of people that are in there, what sense does it make to then turn around and close the, the small, say the, the jeweler, you you got to close, even though you're only going to have two or three or four people maybe that come in a day, but people are going to have contact with Lord knows how many when they're going to the grocery store. I, I, just, I just don't think that makes sense. I, I get we're not going to have baseball games. I get we've closed the schools, but... It's going after these small businesses that I have a problem with. Right. Um, I don't know if they're going to have to start limiting the number of people in a store when they go grocery shopping. I think they just want to make the fact that only go out there when you need to do something and otherwise stay home and just let's get this stopped. before. Uh, and I think we're trying to, we're learning from the mistakes that China and Italy yeah. made and trying to take a stand on it right away and stop it so it's not as severe as it was there. Yeah, thanks for the call, Sandy. I appreciate it. And thanks for all you do. And, I, look, and I, again, I, I have these conversations, and I'm, I'm not downplaying the significance of this. I'm just I, – I think part of the thing that happens is we have these knee-jerk responses. Were we slow to deal with this? Absolutely. In my opinion, we should have shut off travel from China way before we did it. I just, I mean, I think that might have helped. We we should have stopped people from coming in from China, and we should have the people who came in from China. We should have been putting them on quarantine from the beginning. I think there's a lot of blame that goes around. It, it starts with China, that clearly, I think, in December and early January, downplayed the significance and the spread of this. So, I mean, we've we've made mistakes. One of the things that I think we look at this and we learn from, hopefully, is the whole notion that we we are. You know, we're, we're unprepared when it comes to some stuff. The people in the healthcare industry shouldn't have to be scrambling for, for surgical masks. They, they, they just shouldn't. We should have that available. We should have enough foresight, and hopefully in the future we will. You shouldn't have to be reusing surgical gowns, you know, having them decontaminated and reused. Shouldn't have to be doing that. So, And, and as far as the tests for COVID-19, yes, yeah, I think that's one of the keys. And, again, I, I think if you get a bunch of tests – I think what you need to do is rather than these blanket orders that say, okay, we're going to close down all these businesses, especially in areas where there's there has been social distancing and there's a lot not large numbers of people showing up with this you concentrate on the areas where there are the outbreaks you concentrate on the area in the city of milwaukee where most people have been diagnosed with this okay and maybe in those cases you implement a quarantine you know you concentrate new york city absolutely you know try to stop it from spreading but it's this kind of just blast approach that changes day by day by day that I, I think is difficult. And I, I do worry about what we're going to look like on, on the other side coming out of this because we always have to have a balancing. Nobody wants people to get sick. That That's it. I don't want to get sick. I don't want you to get sick. And, and that's why, to the extent you can do reasonable things, like I'm working from home, to the extent you can do reasonable things, you, you should certainly do that. You should certainly be smart. But 
You know, somebody sent me a note saying, you mentioned there's going to be evictions. There's not going to be evictions. No, I'm talking about three or four months down the line if people have lost their jobs. And, yes, I know during the emergency there's no evictions. But what happens if people have lost their jobs, can't replace the income, bars have closed, restaurants have closed, businesses have closed, and they haven't hired you? I mean, at some point in time, you're going to have to pay your rent. At some point in time, you're going to have to pay your mortgage. Now, I understand short-term no evictions. I'm trying to think long-term, which is, okay, in a few weeks from now or a couple months from now, what's happened if all these businesses, all these restaurants, all these bars have shuttered and have not reopened? So I think these are all factors that we have to consider. I think, I mean, I understand the governor gave himself some wiggle room by saying he's willing to reassess this. I hope he does that because to say, Okay, we're expected to close the state of Wisconsin for all sorts of businesses for at least another month. I I think he has no clue what economic damage that is going to do. And at this point in time, do you want to get COVID-19 under under control? Yeah, of of course you do. But you you don't want to destroy people's financial lives at the same time. You've got to have that balancing. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. As somebody who grew up in this area, I, I have been going to Summerfest pretty much since there was a Summerfest. Actually, I think all the Summerfests that were at the lakefront. This year, Summerfest was originally scheduled for eleven day an 11-day run, June 24th through the 28th. They take Monday off, and then June 30th to July 5th. Yesterday, Summerfest announced that it was going to be a different Summerfest this year, and they were moving the dates to September over three weekends, September 3rd through the 5th, which is a Thursday through a Saturday, September 10th through the 12th, again, a Thursday through a Saturday, and then September 17th to the 19th, Thursday through Saturday. We're now joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley to discuss that. Don, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I, I am I am well, my friend. Okay, tell me about the thought process that, that went into the decision to move Summerfest from June and July to September. Sure. Um, we started discussing um, different contingency plans a couple of weeks ago, and uh, as you can imagine, there's a potpourri of issues that, that go into a decision of this magnitude. Uh, on, you know, on one hand, it was... It was a difficult, given what's going on in our world today and, and what reality is, it really wasn't that difficult of a decision. Uh, some of it was uh, predicated upon uh, touring bands, uh, changing their plans, and so on and so forth. And as you've witnessed, there are other music festivals that, that have either been canceled or postponed that, that occur before us such as South by Southwest, uh, Tortuga in Fort Lauderdale, um, Sunfest in West Palm Beach, Coachella, etc. And when that starts happening, it really turns into a domino effect. So it was in our best interest to be decisive um, with, with safety in mind for, for all of our fans and everyone who attends Summerfest and um, 
certainly we thought it was the proper thing to do under the circumstances because at the end of the day, you know, hoping that something will happen is really not a plan. So the, the September dates give us precious time to work with the tours, the bands on the grounds, um, sponsors and fans to put on the best show possible for those three weekends in September. To, to that point, Don, I, I understand, and I know you and your staff really start working the, the day one Summerfest ends. Re- really, you start working that next day to book all the bands. Um, how, how difficult is it going to be for everybody to kind of re-gear? Because my guess is a lot of bands that have already been booked, they might not be out, they might be touring, they might have other commitments in, in, in September. How difficult is it going to be to, to, to get the event rolling like it was already scheduled to roll? Sure. Um, you know, it, it's always difficult to, to, to reshuffle the deck, and uh, especially in a situation like this. But, again, we're not alone, and, and we're just part of the puzzle. So, first of all, you know, I have great confidence in Bob Babish and Scott Zeal and, and, and our entire entertainment department, um, you know, who have great relationships with agents and managers and bands and so on. So I, I really feel confident that we'll be able to uh, put on a great show and, and to, to the level and magnitude that our fans have grown to enjoy and expect over five decades. So we're working hard to do that. There's a lot of things that go into this. I mean, obviously we just don't flip a light switch and open the gates and everybody come in. We would be losing precious time right now in preparing the grounds and all of the buildings and, and so on and so forth um, to get prepared to, um, to greet that many people. We're also finishing up a $53 million amphitheater project, um, which, which plays into this entire decision as well. That's on time, under budget. Uh, we feel good about that. But these September dates just give us some more breathing room in the total organization of the event. I mean, there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes and takes so many or so many hours through these springtime months to actually be able to open in June. I mean, it, it, it really always is a scramble. It's it's like building a house. I mean, you know, that, that last month of building a house, I mean, you really see it come together. And, and that's kind of how the festival is. And, and um, we just thought, given all of the uncertainty in the world today, given the economic situation that situations that a lot of people are in today, um, mm-hmm. we just thought extra time would be in the best interest of everyone. Don, let me ask you this. Um, about 10 years ago, you made a decision that I thought was I thought was exactly the right decision. The Summerfest it used to run Thursday through the, the following Sunday. You closed on, on Monday, started a day earlier. I, I thought that's, that's turned out to be great, but it was very controversial at the time. Can you talk a little bit about the decision to schedule this year's Summerfest over three weekends as opposed to you know, turning it into a continuous like 11-day event? We thought we would have the best chance at replicating the lineup on the grounds if we did it over three weekends in September. Now, this 
that that, that assumption or that decision w- went with a lot of due diligence prior to our announcement. Mm-hmm. A lot of due diligence by Bob and his crew, and 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 others. So um, we chose those three days, uh, three weekends, if you will. Um, and then what we may do, Jeff, and this is still under consideration, we may do something in the amphitheater prior to opening and then maybe a show after these dates are over. So, you know, obviously this is going to be a different summer fest. And, and you know, when, when I've talked to people and we've just had overwhelming support of, of what we're doing in the face of this public health um, emergency that we're we're right in the middle of um we we just think that it it, it's it's going to work out great and and it was the best thing to do for us at at you know given all of these circumstances well i think don one thing that i think some people don't understand is in in certain respects any any entertainment project any festival like yours you're you are, in some respects, you're, hostage isn't the right phrase, but you're captive to what bands are touring, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're in a situation where you're scheduled to show up in late June and bands are canceling their tours for whatever reason, you know, you, you have to have contingency plans. It seems to me this makes a lot of sense to make sure you've got your ducks in order and can put on the shows that you're promising people. Well, there's no question about that, and, and that's exactly why we did it. And, again, I'll repeat that, you know, we had a lot of conversations with agents and managers and so on prior to making this decision. So we, 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 we kind of knew how it was going to fall in place, but for maybe 25% of what we had um, in, in the can, if right. you will. Um, but I think everyone needs to remember, you know, whether Summerfest is in June or whether it's in September, we're going to put on a great show. We're going to... Um, you know, there's hundreds of years of experience in, within the offices of Summerfest. When, when you consider board members and, and management and so on, we, we've, we've got a lot of experience. And, and the, the fact of the matter is this was well thought out. Um, and, and, again, it was decisive. And I think people ought to, you know, just remember what, what state of affairs that we're, that we're in right now and, and how much more important that is versus any event. I don't care if it's Summerfest or a golf tournament or whatever. I mean, there are more important things right now. People, people are out of work. People are struggling. And the more time that we can have to, A, help those folks out, and, B, um, organize our event to the best of our ability i think it's in the best interest of everyone and you know when people get back to work they'll have a little disposable income they'll want to blow off some steam come down have a beer listen to a band and 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 try to heal a little bit i think people's psyche will need some time to actually get over what we're all dealing with all together at this particular point in time. So I, I just don't believe it was time to rush anything and try to get something in June, especially when bands were starting to reroute. 
Now, I hate to put you on the spot, but when do you think we might start hearing announcements from Summerfest as to the, the rescheduled lineup and, and the headliners that you're looking at for the September dates? Jeff, you don't you don't hate putting me on the spot. You always put me on the spot. <laughs> okay, okay. When, do you have any ideas to when we're going to start rolling out the, the dates? <laughs> I would I would say soon. I would say soon. We've done a lot. Like I said, we've done we've done a lot of groundwork, and um, we have to get some confirmations. But um, and and we talk on the phone every day. We have a conference call with our management every day, um, and I I, w- I would just. Be safe and sane soon. Good enough. One, one final thing. I, on, on a positive sort of note, you alluded to it earlier. I haven't seen the new amphitheater, but I, I, I've talked to several of your board members and other people who've been there. Everybody tells me it's absolutely a spectacular state-of-the-art facility that folks are going to love when they get a chance to see it. Oh, it's just going to be beautiful. And, and we were having a banner year in signing bands and doing so many more shows outside of the traditional Summerfest dates. Um, we, we hooked up and did a deal with Live Nation in, in, in Madison, Frank Productions, and that's really worked out well for us. And, and we, we've, we've got a lot on the books right now, and, and the, the amphitheater is going to be home for um, music fans for generations to come. It's, it's just going to be a beautiful building. Don Smiley, thanks for taking some time. I know it's troubling times, and thanks for joining us today. I very much appreciate it. Sure. I wish you all the best, Jeff, and all your listeners. Absolutely. Don Smiley, Summerfest CEO. I'll have a couple comments on some of Don's remarks in just a moment. Let's take a quick break. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Welcome back. First of all, let me say this. I I think the decision that Summerfest made was absolutely 100% the correct decision to make. In many respects, Summerfest, as Don and I were just talking about, they're, they're captive to the bands. Everybody always says, well, I don't understand why they didn't book this band or that band. Well, for, first of all, they, they can only get the bands that are touring at a particular time and touring in an area. And if you've been following what's been going on in the spring concert season, you're seeing large numbers of, of groups that are, are canceling their tours until early summer or whatever. And I think Summerfest just made the, in, the sensible decision, in my opinion, that, okay, look, we, we don't want to take these, these chances that we've sold all these tickets and we're going to lose this act or that act or whatever so that this makes more sense they have an opportunity to step back and retool i I think you know who knows what the world's going to look like three weeks from now or six weeks from now my hope is that when the end of june rolls around we're going to be back to a sense of normalcy but summerfest has to make those plans here's something else that i i just I'm I'm one of the guys who early on Summerfest has evolved, and I understand because Summerfest is such such a treasure. Everybody has different ideas as to how Summerfest could be best run. I mean, it's kind of like being a manager of a baseball team. We all, we all think we know better than, than the manager. And everybody has different ideas. As I was mentioning to Mr. Smiley earlier on, I think, what, about a decade ago or so, when they made the decision, and it was controversial at the time, to close on Monday. I mean, Summerfest always used to start on a Thursday go through that first weekend, and then go continuously, and then that next Sunday. And, and they made a decision, we're going to close on Monday, and we're going to open the, the previous Wednesday. And people were all up in arms about this. Well, they made the decision because 
what happened was, you know, they, they found that, hey, that, that Monday tended to be a much lower attendance day than opening on Wednesday. And I think, you know, we've all gotten used to it. Plus, it, it gives them a chance to, to retool and take a step back. Now, I'm not making any predictions moving forward, but one of the things that I have thought Summerfest should look at over the years is, uh, again, maybe instead of 11 days, 11 days of activity over a 12-day period, would, would it be better? to run, you know, an event, maybe maybe three weekends. And, again, well, you can play around with the dates and stuff, and maybe this will be an indicator. And, and of course, um, candidly, I mean, in September, kids are back in school, so it's much more difficult. I mean, to me, it wouldn't make sense to have an event on a, on, on a Monday or a Tuesday. I mean, I think the idea of Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for three consecutive weekends from a perspective of, you know, encouraging people to, to go and attend and making it easier, to me, I, I think... It's just a brilliant decision. I, I think now the challenge really comes in is figuring out, you know, how you're going to rebook all this because, I mean, they just had a really, a really kick, buck, kick butt lineup for main stage acts and then a, a lot of the other acts at the, the BMO Harris facility and all. I mean, it was just it was just a wonderful lineup, and I know a lot of work went into it, and I, I it's going to be a challenge to, to recreate this, and I have every confidence in the folks at Summerfest. But the bottom line is I, I think this makes eminent sense. Again, we're, we're in the, these uncertain times. We don't know when stuff is, is going to reopen. My hope is it's a lot sooner than other people seem to think. But, you know, when you're staging a, a major festival like Summerfest, um, given this degree of uncertainty, and I think, you know, uh, Don Smiley makes a very good point, that the reality is that there's going to be an economic hit. That That's just the reality. I was looking at the numbers last week, 101,000 new, uh, 101, new Wisconsinites filed unemployment claims. Okay, that and that's going to get worse. That That's going to get worse. So from the perspective of disposable income, I think maybe it, it does make sense to kind of push this event back a couple months in order to let things stabilize. I am very, very glad that they came up with this as the plan B, as opposed to doing what like South by Southwest, the big music festival and technology festival in Austin did, which is just canceling. So, I mean, I, I think this is... This is a great plan B. Hope it's extremely successful, and I'm looking forward to Summerfest 2020. It'll be a Summerfest uh, like no other, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I, I think they've done absolutely the right thing. Uh, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Our number, 855-616-1620. All right. This is an interesting and a complex question, and I am curious how you react to it. We have an election scheduled for April 7th. All right now, keep in mind, you know, the governor has issued this order essentially closing down non-essential businesses. That order at least at this point in time, runs, I don't know, through April 23rd, essentially two more weeks beyond the date of the election. I understand it can be modified, and hopefully it will be. But here's the deal. Okay, April 7th is the election. Now, a lot of people think of this as the primary election, and and, and it is. It's the presidential primary election that's lost a lot of its luster, given the fact that, 
President Trump, Donald Trump, will be the Republican nominee and Joe Biden will be the Democrat nominee. It, it, months ago, people thought, oh, this is going to be this huge, important election and you're going to have this huge turnout because it's going to decide who's going to be the Democrat nominee. Eh, not so much anymore. I mean, I understand Bernie Sanders hasn't technically withdrawn, but it, it's all over but the shouting. Bernie Sanders is not going to be the Democrat nominee. We know what the election is going to look like in November. There's nothing magic about April 7th for a presidential primary. I mean, primaries are determined, like I say, by the party. You can you can have that primary two months from now. It's not going to make any difference. And, and again, not trying to discourage people not from voting in the presidential primary, but for all intents and purposes, that's all over but the shouting. That's not the key, and this is where it gets complicated, because putting off the April 7th presidential primary, at least in my opinion, is no big deal. But here's what is a big deal. We have, for example, there is a statewide election for the state Supreme Court justice. Uh, conservative Justice Dan Kelly is running against a very, very liberal challenger. You're probably not hearing much about that campaign because, candidly, you know what's been going on in the world with coronavirus has kind of sucked all the oxygen out of, of any sort of other discussion. But also, in addition to the statewide Supreme Court race that we're all going to be voting on, what also is happening is we are going to be across the state. We are going to be electing local officials. For example, Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett, he's on the ballot. I mean, he's being challenged by State Senator Lena Taylor. He, he's running for re-election. Chris Abley is stepping down. There's uh, two challenges for the Abley spot. All across the state of Wisconsin, there are, not to mention school referendums, but there are there are different elections and different races. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. The mayor's term expires April 20th, right, two weeks after the election. So let us assume that he loses. I, I don't think that's likely, but, you know, it, it, it's possible. So let us assume that, that he loses. That would mean that Lena Taylor would be the mayor of the city of Milwaukee and would be entitled to be sworn in. So if you were to say, look, given what's going on with coronavirus, why don't we just postpone everything? Why don't we just kick the election from June, from, from let's say April to June? All right, we'll just kick it back two, two months. Well, what that would mean is that effectively you'd have a lot of different officials whose term had ended, who, who would continue to stay in office, but, but it was beyond the length of, of their term. How long do you end up letting that, that go? Do you go two months? Do you go four months? Do you go six months? You know, can, can you do that in a democracy? So that's, that's why that April 7th date is important. I, that's why one of the reasons, I think, why the governor has been reluctant to try to move it. Also, I think there's huge legal issues. I, I understand that nobody's asking questions about the governor's ability to shut down this business and leave that business open. But I, I think there, there's very, very serious questions as to whether the government, the governor, under emergency powers, can delay elections. Candidly, I mean, I, I, there's, there's lots smarter lawyers than me on both sides of the issue, but I think... Most lawyers believe that the governor doesn't have that ability. It would have to come through the legislature. But let's put that aside for a minute. Um, you, you've got the fact that terms expire, um, which is one of the reasons why I think they want to go ahead with April 7th. Well, into this mix comes Tom Barrett today. And Barrett says, here's what I think we should do. I think we should limit voting to mail 
only. By mail, I mean you could only send your vote in through the mail. No in-person voting at all. In Milwaukee, they've already ended early um, absentee voting because I think they're having problems getting people to work at the polls or whatever. So the mayor's idea is, look, I don't think I can ask poll workers to come in. So what I want to do is I want to require everybody to vote by mail. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I cannot tell you how bad an idea I think this is. I don't know that I believe it's constitutional. My guess is it's probably not. But look, here, here, here's the thing. It seems to me that you've got really two choices. Voting by mail is not an option. You either have to decide we can't find poll workers and it's too dangerous to keep the polls open, and so we're going to delay this, or alternatively, you know, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to either delay it or we're going to go ahead. Here's the way I look at this: if we're saying to the people who work at liquor stores and at Target and at Walmart and at Costco and all these other places that you know you're you're essential workers and you have to come in and you have to stay open and you can go to work. I think we go ahead and have the election, and with all due respect to the mayor, I think we say, all right, that this is the deal. Now, we might have to work harder on finding poll workers who are willing to show up. I, I understand that, and it might mean that there's going to be longer lines and bigger delays, and maybe we have to figure out ways to isolate people more, but this is important. You cannot delay, in my opinion, an election, and you can't say to people, well, we expect if you're going to vote, you're only going to be able to vote by mail, because if you want to guarantee a turnout, I don't know, maybe 10%, that would be it. And what about the people who've already voted, or, you know, the early voters? All right, well, their, their votes are in, so now we're going to give them the advantage, and we're going to say to other people, you can't come in in person. No, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My belief is if, if, we can t- if we can keep Target open, if we can keep the hardware stores open, if we can keep Pick and Save open, we can darn sure keep the polls open. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the mayor says mail only. I could not disagree more. 855-616-1620, what do you think? Back with your calls in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Amen. Jeff, I'm not going to vote by mail. <clears throat> My vote should count. That, absolutely. It seems to me that there's really only two choices. One is we decide that this is a public health crisis and you delay the election, which means, again, for a lot of elected officials, they will continue to serve after their terms have expired. Alternatively, the, we say, hey, you know, we, we let people go to Costco, we let people go to Target, we let people go to Pick and Save, we let people go and pick up pizzas, we're going to let people go to the polls. Now, you might have to put restrictions on the polls if you feel comfortable about that. It might be X number of people in, and I understand it's going to be an issue. Maybe people are going to be reluctant to volunteer at the polls. Maybe they're going to have to wear masks or whatever. But th- those are those are the two choices. Saying you can only vote by mail, only vote by mail, I think is a dreadful choice. Eight five five six one six. Let's talk to Mabel in Milwaukee. Mabel, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Mabel. 
Hi, Mabel. You're on the air. Hi. Oh, okay. Let me turn the radio down. So, didn't realize that. Okay. I have been a poll worker for quite some time, and there's a lot of different ways to look at this. Number one, this does not give enough time for the city clerks to effectively train new po- new poll workers. Number two, there's a lot of older poll workers that have worked there a long time. Number three, not everybody's going to pay attention to the six-foot rule, and there's not going to be anyone there that's going to be able to police it. Number four, there's people that have crunch times when they can vote, and that's either early before they go to work in the morning or their their regular times that they go. And to be able to disinfect the areas, sanitize them between people coming in to vote is not necessarily realistic. So I understand, even though a lot of us may not be happy about things are changing, like, for example, in Oak Creek, we found out yesterday that, okay, we can't even go in there to absentee ballot vote. So not everybody is understanding. You still have to contact your clerk's office to request a ballot in the mail if you cannot vote online. And there's a lot of seniors that don't have internet access to know all these things for the different municipalities. So what what do you think should happen, Mabel? You don't think we should... Tell me what you think should happen. I think the way that... Delay the election? Mail only? No, 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 because when the terms are done and the new people come on board, there's no way to change that. This is the way the, the laws are set up. The voting cannot be delayed and it has to go on the process as it has. Maybe a lot of people are not going to be happy with that. You have to remember, too, the people that are going to be processing these absentee ballots are going to be wearing gloves. They are going to have a lot of time restrictions on getting things done on a timely basis, and I would not be surprised if the poll results do not come in fully till perhaps April 10th. Oh, I agree. I, I, I agree. So your your answer would be <clears throat> no in-person voting. The only way somebody can vote is by mail? Or online. Okay. All right. Thank, thanks for the call. I appreciate of, it. A lot I, of germs that will be floating around. No, I, I, I understand. I just don't... <clears throat> I just don't, first of all, I think that's unconstitutional. I don't think you can tell people that, I mean, what about people who don't have, what about people who don't have access to, to computers? What about people so they can't vote online? What about people who, I don't know, don't don't get the message and, um, you know, don't choose to do it through the mail? I, I just, I, I think part of the American process is showing up and voting. I guess I just... I don't think we can tell people you can't vote in person. So, but thanks for the call, Mabel. I appreciate the perspective. I just, I don't think that that's practical. I really kind of doubt whether that's legal to say that you you can't vote in person. If that's the, if we really believe that this is enough of a, that much of a public health crisis, then the legislature should figure out a way to push back the election and to allow elected officials to serve, I guess, for an, another month or two. But again, I, I'm still coming back with this basic issue that if if Costco can can arrange things to keep people safe and we're willing to allow Costco to stay open, we can't we, we can't do that in the clerk's offices? I mean, maybe bring some of the folks from Costco over and show the measures that they're using. And I look and I understand this is a problem and I, I also understand the fact that many of the poll workers who are, are going to be there tend to be in tend to be older. Let's be honest; they tend to be in the higher risk group. So 
I, I just I, I think you know there's only two options. I, I don't think voting by mail is is an option because I think it's going to deny a lot of people the ability to vote. I think we either have to push it back or we have to say we, we can keep the polls open. But this is a dialogue that needs to be going on right now. And if we're seriously thinking about pushing it back, the, the legislature needs to get involved. Because, again, I think from a legal perspective, if the governor tries to do this, he's on shaky legal ground. 855-616-1620. John in Richfield. John, you're on WTMJ. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm completely opposed to it also. Um, it's just, you know, how do you deal with the voter ID thing? How do you deal with all the, you just had like 200,000 voters that you couldn't contact by mail. Now they're supposed to vote by mail. Right, it's, right. You know, Right. And now, I mean, okay, and the elec- <clears throat> I'm sorry, the election is coming up in, okay, so the election is coming up two weeks from, from today. What about <clears throat> those of us who, who haven't made arrangements to, to get the absentee ballots? How, how are we supposed to do that? How are we to get our ballots in a timely fashion? I mean, even if you did it today, you'd be imposing a huge burden on the municipal clerks, many of whom are, are shut down anyways. In the municipality I live in, the, the city hall is closed. So I, I just yeah. don't see this as being practical. I just got done voting in, in my village, and they set up uh, in-person drive through voting. Oh. They actually set it up in, in the village garage, and huh. you just came and had a couple workers in there, and then they handed you a clipboard and stuff, and you gave them your, your photo ID, and then you filled out your ballot, and they, they had the science like the clipboards. Each time they used the clipboard, they sanitized it and stuff, and went, went really nice and really smooth. It was kind of a neat idea, I thought. Yeah, it, it, well, and I mean, I, I think, I mean, I applaud people, and thanks for calling, I applaud people doing that. Like I say, though, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, Government agencies are, in fact, shut down. Here's an interesting text. Jeff, is this bizarro world? The Democrats who claim anything has the possibility to limit voting, uh, that anything that has the possibility to limit voting is disenfranchisement, now want us to hold an election with no in-person voting. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking about that. Look, see, the, the the better course is clearly for I think the governor and the legislature to get together and delay the election. I, I understand the problem with that is that you have elected officials like Tom Barrett, who might lose, I don't think he's going to, but might lose, then serving beyond their, their terms. But the, the idea of just saying you can only vote by mail, you want to talk about excluding huge numbers of people. Now, the truth of the matter is, I, I vote in every election, and if we suddenly have, you know, the, the governor that says, okay, we're, we're not going to allow any sort of in-person voting at all, I, I'm, I'm going to find a way to move heaven and earth to, to get a ballot. But, okay, that, that's me. There's going to be a lot of people who don't get that word. There's going to be a lot of people who think it's just too hard to do. We will have given a huge advantage to the people who've already voted, and there are some political ramifications for that because, you know, it was Milwaukee and Dane County that were open before most of the other communities in this state allowing people to vote, and, and that that clearly has an influence on this. I just don't, I don't think just male voting is the answer. All right, let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Let's see. Uh, well, just on the last subject, the, the idea of, 
requiring people to only be allowed to vote by mail, which I think is a complete and total non-starter, probably unconstitutional, but regardless, a bad idea. Jeff, one of the issues with mail voting, here's a text, is that you're required to provide a photocopy of your identification with your ballot or submitted via Wisconsin government website. Not everybody has photocopying facilities in their home or are willing to have their IDs floating around in the mail or the Internet, and so much for secret ballots. Yeah, there, there, there's... For, for people who, who <laughs> right, you're going to put your driver's license in the mail and send it in with your ballot, not, not just not going to happen. Uh, speaking, though, of, I mean, I understand we, we've got, we're dealing in troubled times, and I think a lot of people have frustrations. I have, a, I have a story that just amazes me about how efficient and effective government could be. So this is kind of my, I, I'm taking my hat off to the, to the Wisconsin DMV. I told this story last week. I was... Um, my driver's license expired in May, on my birthday in May. And so I got the notice saying it needed to be renewed. And I wanted to go get a real ID driver's license, not so much because I necessarily needed the real ID license, but I wanted to go through the process so we could talk about that at some point in time. The rules that were in effect, but my understanding is they're going to be put off, said that by October, if you wanted to fly, if anybody still wants to fly, given what's going on now, when you want, I'm being funny, when you want to fly, we're going to go back. The airlines are going to be back. It's just you wonder what they're going to look like and how long it's going to take them to come back. But, you know, to go through TSA in starting in October, although, like I say, that's going to be pushed back, you either needed a passport or you needed a global entry card or you needed one of these real IDs. To get a real ID, what you need is, uh, on your driver's license, you need to show up. There's different ways you can do it, but for me it was like a valid passport or an authentic birth certificate, certified copy of your birth certificate, uh, your Social Security card, and then proof of address. So anyhow, it was last Wednesday I had made an appointment to go into the DMV, and this was before... You know, Governor Evers essentially shuttered the DM, shuttered the DMVs for almost everything. Not quite everything, but almost everything. So I went into West Bend last Wednesday. I uh, had a 9 o'clock appointment. I was out of there by 10 after 9. And what they do is they give me this little piece of paper saying, hey, you're going to get your driver's license, you know, in, in a week or two. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, with everything going on in the world. Driver's license came in the mail yesterday. I mean, it was... Okay, Wednesday morning till Monday Monday in the mail, it, it was there. So um, hats off to the DMV and th- their systems, even in troubling times, and the U.S. Postal Service for delivering it. I mean, even in troubling times, um, they, they did it with amazing efficiency. I was kind of thinking, man, with everything going on in the world, who knows what's shut down and all these different things. Um, I just, it was kind of like, Boy, what what could possibly happen here? And it, it all ended up working out just fine. Gotta gotta love that. So um, that's just that, that's great. Okay, let us switch gears. Um, you know, the, one of the big things, and, and this this is an added gut punch for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities, because one of the things that I would have if it happens really perhaps provided an economic boost at a time that Lord knows we need an economic boost. Because you look at some of the industries around here that are just being crippled by these government-ordered shutdowns. And I'm not arguing about the 
the, the valid validity of this or not, but it's the restaurants, it's the bars, it's the hospitality industry, it's the hotels, it's the Uber drivers. And even though hotels haven't been ordered shut down, bottom line is, you know, business travel has crawled to a halt. People aren't traveling. People aren't out and about. We're being told not to leave our homes except for essential purposes. We've got all these different businesses that are just being crushed. Well, one of the light that was at the end of the tunnel is you've got the Democratic National Convention, which was scheduled to come to Milwaukee in early July. They would be bringing, you know, 50, and I guess mid-July, July July 13th to the 16th. But, you know, in the run-up to that, you know, you'd have, they expected 50,000-plus people coming for the convention. And the truth of the matter is a lot of those people would be coming beforehand. You know, you'd have a lot of the people that would be setting up there would be people coming in from all over the country that would be spending money in these businesses that, you know, we, we desperately need stuff, the, the hotels, the restaurants, the bars. Remember, I mean, how time flies. Remember a couple of weeks ago, one of our big discussions was, should we allow the bars to stay open, you know, from 2 o'clock, which is the closing time? Should we allow them to stay open to 4 o'clock? Remember, we spent two or three segments on the program talking about that. Well, boy, that, that seems kind of trivial now that we've got all the bars that are closed. Well, any in any event, I mean, the, the DNC is still on. There's a story, in, but I, I don't mean to be overly negative about this, but I just, I don't see how it can, I don't see how it can happen, at least not in the way that previous conventions have. I mean, we're already sitting here, it's late March, April, May, June, July. All right, Summerfest, which was supposed to be June through early July, they've kicked it back to September. Um, you, you've got all these logistical issues. They've still got to raise like $70 million. And, I mean, I, boy, you want to talk about a, a difficult job? Try being one of these fundraisers, trying to go around to businesses nowadays and get them to contribute. You know, here, can you, can you write a check for a quarter million or a half a million or a million dollars to help for the Democratic National Convention? I mean, g- good luck, you know, good, good luck hitting up area businesses and things like that. Um, volunteers. They need 15,000 volunteers. Now, I know some people have agreed to sign up, but I mean, seriously, given everything that's going on in the world right now, and given the fact that we're told not to leave our houses, how do you, how do you even go about starting to get those volunteers? And it's, it's through nobody's fault. But also, you know, if we were planning on this huge economic boost to the city, you want to have 50,000 people come in. I just, I just don't see how, and I don't see how this can happen, especially when, you know, we've got the president who's saying, hey, I think it can be business as usual by, by Easter, which is in three weeks. You've got the governor who says, I've got this shutdown of all non-essential businesses that's been going on essentially for a week, and we're going to go out, travel it for another month. I mean, I just don't see, you start to run out of time, which is, again, it's just an added gut punch to the economy of this particular area because I know that there were a lot of businesses, whether it's the hotel business or the bars or the restaurants or whatever, who were really counting on the economic boost. What about all the people through the area who've made arrangements to go somewhere else and, hey, they're going to be renting their homes out to people who are coming in? Right now, the plan is still full speed ahead, but I'll be honest with you, I don't understand how it can happen. I, my, my guess is, and especially since it's not, by all intents and purposes, it's not going to be a contested 
convention. This isn't going to be one where there's going to be lengthy floor fights. It's a coronation of Joe Biden, like the Republican convention is going to be a coronation of President Trump. So, I mean, I I wonder what it's going to look like. My guess is it's not going to look anything like previous conventions have looked. Don't be surprised if if it gets shortened or if, and maybe shortened dramatically, or it, it's done in a more remote fashion, or don't be surprised if, if it gets, I don't know, either delayed or alternatively just kind of, you know, put put off. We just say, okay, we're going to have the nominations, delegates vote by mail or vote on the Internet, and, and boom, Biden is brought out by acclamation. That That's not a successful and that's not a happy scenario because of the economic impact that it's going to have on the community. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, I just, as time goes on, I just don't see how this can possibly happen, just like the big story from the world of sports today is that we see that the Olympic Games have, have been postponed. That's an unprecedented step, but, you know, what what, what are you going to do? You know, are people going to be traveling to Japan or feel comfortable traveling to Japan in July? Don't think so. All right, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I am so very glad to have you with us. All right, let me give you give you some good news here. Um, the stock market reacting favorably to the belief. Okay, first of all, what happened is the Treasury did some stuff yesterday, and today um, you, you have an expectation that the Republicans and the Democrats are going to be able to get over politics and get this stimulus plan passed, and I think that's baked into what's going on in the market right now. But the Dow Jones Industrial Average um, up 1,847 points. It's now back over 20,000. It's at 20,439. Now, there's another half hour to go, so who knows you know, what can happen. But that's a bump of the Dow of almost 10%. The NASDAQ is up 7%. Now, look, I, I understand that when all this started a month ago, you know, the Dow Jones was over 29,000. So there's still been a, a massive bloodletting, and I'm, I'm not smart enough to know whether or not we've hit the bottom and now it is a return. And I'm not smart enough to know whether there might not be another drop. But right now, you know, good news. It also underscores one of the things that a number of the financial advisors have been talking about. And at least it's been a point that I've been trying to make about the big picture here. When people panic, they tend to make really, really bad decisions. If you think back, my guess is, Think back about your own life and think about some of the decisions you've made when you were just in this panic situation. You were just scared about this or that or or the other. Many times that ends up, you really end up regretting that decision. And and I think what's happened is you had some people over the course of the last couple weeks that were just absolutely panicking. And I understand, you know, you're you're watching the the stock market drop. But the problem is if if you just decide to panic, I I can't take this anymore. It's just I, I want I want out of the market, and so after last Friday and the bloodbath that was last week, you you call up your stockbroker over the weekend or your 401k guy, or if you're available, if you got it on the internet or whatever, and you just decide that's it. I can't take it anymore. I want out. Well, okay, that's great, but then you you missed, you know, a 10% bump today, and the problem is none of us know, even the financial experts, none of us know when the top is, no, none of us know when the bottom is. 
It's just, you know, when you panic sell or panic buy, it, it typically, I think people typically kind of regret it, which isn't being Pollyanna about this and isn't recognizing it's just been a huge bloodbath. But good news is, at least today, um, stock market doing doing okay. There's been a rebound. A lot of that, though, is tied to this expectation that our elected officials are going to get their collective act together and pass <clears throat> this stimulus package. I'm going to climb up on, on my soapbox for, for just a minute. I understand that there is a time for politics, and I understand that we live in this very, very divided political world where you know everything is, a, is blood sport. I, I get it. At the same time, what's been going on in Washington over the last couple of days has been absolutely appalling. Because the bottom line is, like I was mentioning, in Wisconsin, they're looking at 100,000 new unemployment applications, all right, because of people who, through no fault of their own, have been laid off, and if we really stay shut down for another month, they're not going to have jobs to come back to. These are real people that are, are hurting. So, you know, there's... There's a stimulus package that is put together. It's a proposal that would have one-time payments to adults of $1,200 up to $2,400 per couple in the U.S., which is real money, for the, specifically for people who've been laid off for um, hours cut back or had to cut pay cuts. That's money that you can use to buy groceries or pay your rent or whatever. There's money that's going to go to small businesses, $350 billion that's going to go to small businesses to help keep them making payroll. There's $242 billion in money that's going to federal health plans, all that. And, and yes, there's money going in loans to large businesses like airlines that have essentially been crippled because nobody's flying anymore. These are all loans which, you know, have to have to be repaid. There's delays of payroll tax payments by employers who could defer their employment. In other words, all, all this stuff is great, and all this stuff is things that we could agree on. And yet you've had, on a party-line vote, you've had Democrats who have refused to advance this legislation because, well, it, it doesn't have enough stuff that, that they want. And so there's been concessions. Four months of unemployment added, you know, which is, I, I think, it's extraordinary, but it's completely appropriate. But it, it's still not enough. Oh, we want this giveaway. We want that giveaway. Look, you've got a Christmas tree. You've got the lights on it. You've got these ornaments. To not vote for this because, gee, I want to put a different type of ornament at the top of the tree is just a betrayal of the American public. And hopefully they're going to be able to get past this. The fact that you've had the Democrats, and it has been the Democrats, playing politics with this over the course of the last couple of days while Americans have been hurting, I, I just I find it to be unconscionable. It's time to get past that. And look, I, I, I understand that people might think that this industry is not getting enough money or this industry is getting too much money or that there's not enough controls on this or that or whatever. But the bottom line is we've got to get past that. We've got to get money in hands. We've got to get unemployment extended. And continuing to drag this out does nobody absolutely nobody any good wall street's assuming they're going to get their act together I, I don't know but but hopefully we have a stimulus package that can be agreed on today gets voted on today gets voted on the house tomorrow in the house tomorrow gets signed by the president and then we can get on helping the people who've been devastated over the course of the last month which after all isn't that way why we elected people and sent them to washington this is jeff wagner wtmj